Hey, welcome to Gen X Voice. Nobody asked us, so let's get our voices heard. Written off years ago as the Slacker generation, we actually have brought a lot to the world behind the scenes. Now we need to bridge two opposing generations and make sure non-Karen voices are heard. I'm your host, Trish The Dish, and I'm going to interview Gen Xers being rad and doing cool shit in the world. You can follow me at Gen X Voice on Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. Check out other podcasts, videos, and blogs at genxvoice.com. Even though the focus of this platform will be to celebrate Generation X, the goal is to interview as many people as possible from lots of generations, backgrounds, and experiences. Let's unpack some of our differences and attempt to discover what truly ties us all together. With so much division and pain in the world today, instead of shutting people down for their age or other features outside of their control, let's listen to these voices and discover common ground so we can come together and create a better world for all. I don't wanna be an army one. This episode's guest is truly a treat for all of us. Janetta's from the silent generation, which, for those of you who may not know, are the people born between 1928 and 1945, which is the generation before the baby boomers. I was reluctant to ask her age, since many people in her generation would have found it offensive to ask a woman her age, but she was a teen in the 1950s. An article in Time magazine in 1951 used the term the younger generation and stated that the most startling thing about this generation was their silence and their lack of protesting and manifestos, which was visible in the generation before called the greatest generation. If you have never heard of the McCarthy era, this is a time in history in the United States when people who spoke out against the government were deemed communists. Several movie stars lost their career for challenging the government at this time, so many people were taught to not speak up. It is interesting to note, though, that this is the same generation who gave birth to the leadership of the civil rights movement. They have also been referred to as the lucky generation and are credited with building the United States up after World War II. Jeanette shares with us her childhood that was filled with cruising in the 1950s in a small town in Illinois, raising 10 kids that included her kids and grandkids, her love for John F. Kennedy, her thoughts on climate change, and Trump. It is important to note that this interview is recorded in September before Trump came down with the coronavirus. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did recording it. Oh, and here's a fun fact. This is the grandmother of Dana, who is our guest in episode seven, um, The Zennial. Hi, Jeanette. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. What an honor and a pleasure it is to to like meet you in a way. <laughs> your your granddaughter speaks very highly of you, Jeanette. So I'm really excited to to ask you some questions. I speak highly of her too. Oh. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a little bit to do with with who she is today because she spent some time living with you. Sure did. That's awesome. I lived with my grandfather when I was a little kid too because I didn't have the best mom. <laughs> and so um, I got to live with him from ages 12 to 18. So I always credit him with why I am not living in a trailer and, <laughs> and living on food stamps. <laughs> I raised five of them. What was five that? Five grandkids. How many? I raised five grandkids. You five? raised five grandkids? Plus my own five, yeah. 
Wow. So you raised 10 children all together. Yep. Not all their life, but the majority of it, you know? What What made you do that? I've got to be hard, honey. <laughs> they just needed backing. They needed somebody that was there. They needed somebody that would take care of them and love them, you know, and I was there. Wow. Well, bless your heart, because on behalf of someone who was raised by a grand a grandparent, thank you so much for doing that. That's so amazing. Thank you. So did you grow up in the Quad Cities in Illinois? No, I grew up in Wyoming, Illinois, which is probably 55, 60 miles from the Quad Cities. I left Wyoming at 16, yes. And where did you go then? Galesburg, Illinois. So what was it like growing up in Illinois um, when you were young? I loved it. I swear. I had so many good days when I was a young kid. We used to go swimming every day in gravel pit, and we'd walk there and spend the whole day there, you know? Well, I lived for a little bit in Belleville, Illinois, when I was a kid, and then I lived in Springfield, Illinois, from about for about seven years in my adult life. And the first time I ever went skinny dipping was in a lake in um, in in uh, oh gosh, Athens, Illinois. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been skinny dipping. Honey. <laughs> oh, no kidding! Oh, I figure someone that grew up in water around water would definitely skinny dip, but no, that wasn't your bag, huh? Kids there. <laughs> Yeah, we did it in the middle of the night, and I, you know, I lost my underwear, so <laughs> I never did it again. <laughs> one time we did, me and the girls, uh, my two sisters, smeared mud all over our bodies, thinking that would cover us up, <laughs> and then we got it. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds like something like out of Woodstock. <laughs> you, guys were, you guys were the first to do it. <laughs> it was funny. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, um, so you loved it. So you're you're a big nature person, and, and did you go to Chicago at all, or or, or hang out in the cities? No. I only been to Chicago twice in my life. That's it. Wow! Didn't didn't pull you there? Not. What did you think of it when you were there? Scary, absolutely scary. The first time we went up was when my one of my brothers were graduating out of, of the Naval Academy. And nothing but coldness from the people, you know. We couldn't find our way, and nobody was willing to help at all. Anyway, and then the second time I was driving through it, and oh, my God, was I afraid. I really was. I'm a little town person, and I don't do well in big traffic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes a lot of getting used to when you're not when you when you have stop signs and then all of a sudden you're on the freeway and there's just traffic and that's funny that you say that um no one helped you because I always thought of Chicago as one of the friendliest cities in the country in the world actually we pulled up alongside a guy sitting on a corner and I asked him for directions and he just looked ahead of me and I said it again and he didn't answer me and I said oh the cat got your tongue then he popped his head up so I knew he heard me He's just being a jerk. Man, that's terrible. Yeah. So did you ever lock your doors growing up, or was that something that happened later? Absolutely not. Uh, there was one time when there was a prowler that was going around that maybe we did, but my mother was a little short Irish lady with a 
Oh, God, she was fearless. And we went out looking for him in the backyard one night. No way. <laughs> back because she was looking for him and I was looking behind so I walked backwards the whole time. <laughs> oh my gosh you guys were like a like in a, one of those cartoons like Scooby-Doo. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I wasn't going to get her from behind I'll guarantee you. <laughs> so what made you guys think he was in your backyard? Did you hear something? Well he wound up that this it was a young guy that he had reached in the window my aunt and her boys lived across the street from us and reached through the window and ran her hand up and down his leg, which alerted us that he was around. What? That's and, wild. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, uh, he killed a girl at a shoe store downtown. And he's about 19 or 20 by that time. And they found him. Wow. What year, what year was that? I mean, do you remember it just switching from being super yeah, safe? 53. 53. Wow. And so he didn't really have, I mean, nowadays there's crime on every channel. You hear there's TV yeah. shows made about it. But back then, I mean, you guys were not, well, you were watching I Love Lucy on TV and, and it was a really There's only 1,400 in town. What was that? 1,400 people in the town. Oh, wow. And the town that I lived in was all relatives too. I can't even imagine that. I mean, I grew up in a small town in, in California. I mean, well, I moved around a lot as a kid. So for, when I was with my grandpa, I was in a small town. Um, but we definitely, definitely was bigger than that. But not by much. Not by, we made maybe, maybe 5,000 people. But So did you guys know who the Prowler was if you guys were such a close yeah, knit? absolutely did. Because his sister had been found at like five years before that and. He was a big kid, Lehe was her name, and uh, they found her underneath a log, dead. She was nine years old. And the story was that she had died from a ruptured thyroid, which you know at nine years old, that's not true. But he, they had money, and I mean big time. They were big farmers. And until he killed that girl downtown, there was nothing they could do with him. Oh my gosh. Do you think that crime has gotten progressively worse over time, or do you think we've just gotten better at finding people and and notifying notifying people? I think that it's probably gotten worse, but at the same time, as the news puts it out there, we didn't have that then, you know. So it was all word of mouth when you guys heard about the prowler. It wasn't on the local news or anything. Nope, absolutely not. Nobody, well, hell, we didn't call the cops, you know. We just went looking for him ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hardcore. I cannot even imagine that. Had, if you didn't know my mother, you would have understood. Yeah, I'm telling you, she was a wild cat. Well, she, yeah, she sounds really neat. So she was Irish. So did she come from Ireland as an immigrant? No, her father did. That. Her father did. And then mm -hmm. um, what um, background was your father? He was... German and well, we thought he was German, but he was mostly French and English. Yeah, I noticed that your name, Jeanette, that's a very French name. And, but he was royalty in England. There's a Frisbee village still there. What? Yeah. Yeah. Have you claimed some of that royalty? No, 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 no. <laughs> My, uh, Dana's boy looked that up. He did a genealogy thing and he looked all that up and he's what it found it. He found a whole bunch of stuff. Wow, and you never knew that. 
No, absolutely not. But he was mostly English. Uh huh. And so was he just not around, or did he come with uh, with wanting a, a fresh start, and so kept all that stuff secret? Yeah. There's a lot of people in our family. I mean, you, I couldn't even begin to count them all, really. The cousins and whatnot, you know, none of them know. But in Wyoming, though, everybody was close there, and we all knew what everybody else was doing there, you know. But when they got away from the Wyoming, that was it. Nobody knew anything. Wow. So what made you leave Wyoming when you were 16? <laughs> I was a smart ass, and <laughs> I, I was. I I was a straight-A student in school, and I didn't think, I would work books ahead of time and turn in homework before it was ever due, you know? What? Why? <laughs> we used to, me and these friends of mine, we used to go riding around when we got our license the first time, you know? Mm-hmm. Principal called me in the office one day, and he said, either you come to school or stay home. And I looked at him, I said, bye. Wow. And so you were 16. So what was that in the, was that in the fifties? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's neat. So you guys were cruising around in your, in your Chevys <laughs> and going to the drive-in and drive-throughs? No, we just went visiting out places, different places. You know, we did the day during the school time. We was out and about not at night. Not at night. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so so you decide, okay, see ya. I'm not going to, you guys don't appreciate how smart I am. I'm out of here. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, this isn't getting me anywhere. With my brother, him and his wife live in Galesburg, so that's where I went to get my first job. And it was less than a month later that here come my mother and her father and everybody else. <laughs> oh, they followed you? Yeah, yeah, they did. So they left... Wyoming to come and live in Gainesville with you? Yep. My mother and I were super duper close. She missed me. Wow, that's that's really something. So so then you guys just was it pretty familiar because it was still a pretty small town? And and what was your first job there? I was a cashier at a supermarket. Very at sixteen. Of course, I told them I was 18. They didn't know any better. <laughs> right. They didn't really check you out like they do today, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they practically run background checks on you now. Yeah. yeah. But I was 16, and I had three different jobs I had at three different stores during that time. And then I was waiting tables. Where the good money then, is. Yeah. Where it definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. And... Um, then I got into bartending later on. Oh, really? A lot of fun. It was. I've worked at a bar before. What got you into bartending? That's such a difference than waiting tables or working at a grocery store. Were you hanging out in the bars? No, my sister and her ex-husband owned one. And she knew how old I was, you know. And so at 18, I was tending bar. And for her, that's how it got started. It was, but it was a small town too. And so that was where the good, good money was was bartending. Yeah, it was much better. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're in Illinois. You're bartending. You're just living the dream right now. And are you still living with your mother and your father at this time? No, my mother had died at fifty-four. 
And well, we, when she died, we took a trip to California. We thought we'd move out there, me and my dad and two brothers and my three kids. But last month, we come back. <laughs> I missed Illinois. That's all there was to it. Well, wait a minute. You went, to, you went to California and turned around and went, I need to go back to Illinois? Absolutely. Absolutely. The reason was when I went to apply for a job, I was naive in a lot of ways. And this guy asked me if I would wear shorts. And I said, no. Would you wear a little blouse? I said, well, if I have to, you know. I said, hey, I don't think it's my body's that good. And he looked at me and he says, well, it looks pretty good to me. And I, I ain't doing this. I don't have to wear clothes like that in Illinois, you know. So I went home. So what part of California was that? Was that like Los Angeles? Florence. Okay, yeah, so just outside of LA-ish area. Right. Okay, so so you have three kids, and right. and you're not willing to make even more money by, by, by showing your body off. How did you manage to feed three kids on a bartender's salary? Well, it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy. Back then, the groceries didn't cost as much, you know. But I had my dad and my two brothers, too, my one was 12 and 11 when my mom died. So we had to all stick together. So you all lived in the same house together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. What was that like? Was it crowded? Was it noisy? Or was it just exactly how it was when you grew up? When I grew up, honey, it was a two-bedroom house, and it was really, there was beds all over. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I had to sleep with two of my sisters, so... Anyway, that's what happened, and they, they, one of my brothers left, he joined the army at 17, and the other one left the house at 17, too. So then it got a little, a little bit harder, but your kids were starting to get older, so did they start working pretty young, too? My kids? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> my I, The oldest one, even though everybody calls it my favorite, and he's not, I know what he is, he's just... It, he does what he does, but he was a working fool. He still is. And he went to work, but he didn't help me, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> I, um, I had an aunt that come live with me, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my mother's sister, her husband died unexpectedly. She never worked a day in her life. She needed a home, and I needed a babysitter. So she come live with me, which made it much easier. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. You do you do family. You take care of family, and that's not that's not as common these days. It's not at all. Well, or maybe I should take that back. It wasn't common when I was coming up, but it's definitely starting to change because more young people are staying home longer. They're not they're not leaving. I mean, when I was eighteen, I was out the door. I could not get out of the house fast enough. My second is about twenty before he left and I tell you I had the most awful sensation when he left he left for California him and a friend of his moved out there and I felt so guilty really why I stayed home because I wasn't giving him a place to live <laughs> oh wow you know but anyway it was back and forth you know so how did you end up in Arizona Dana, 
Aww. <laughs> so your granddaughter. <laughs> she says, can you come out here if I send you a plane ticket? So I got on the plane for the first time at, what, 65? And uh, I came out here and went to work several, about three years, two to three. And then I went back home. <laughs> and then you came back again. I came back twice, <laughs> yeah. And what made you finally just decide to stay here? Uh, my one grandson was, we, he, the one of them that I helped raise got into drugs really bad. And bringing people in the house, and I, I was upset and fighting with somebody every day. And I said, I'm hell with it. I'm leaving. And I did. Been almost four years now. I didn't go back this time. Well, I'm glad you're here um, because that sounds like a terrible situation. So was it hard to get used to Arizona compared to Illinois? Because I moved, I've moved here from um, Illinois. I've moved to the West twice from Illinois. And every time it's a bit of shock because... There's not as much green, but how is it for you to to get used to Arizona? I still do not like it. Oh, really? <laughs> I I'm living with my oldest grandson, whom I did raise, you know, and uh, he is very very good to me, not too good sometimes, and I just can't leave it, you know. I don't want to break his heart. I really don't. Oh. That's so sweet. Have you been able to take many trips around Arizona? I mean, there are some really beautiful places. Like, Yeah, we've been out to... Uh, like Sedona? Yeah, we went through there. That's gorgeous. Right? We went up to the uh, Grand Canyon, and I love that. I said, when we come back from California on the trip back, we went through there, and I, I thought, my, I wish we'd have stayed here instead of going back to Illinois by the Grand Canyon. It's gorgeous. It's so pretty, though. It really is. Oh, it's so pretty. Go up there and see all that greenery and all the water, you know. I, that's what I miss most is water. We lived right next to the Mississippi, you know, and it was really awesome. Yeah, except for the mosquitoes. I mean, I don't miss those. They're bad, huh, in the Mississippi. Recently found out that mosquitoes like people with type O blood. Oh, that's me. <laughs> and I also found out that only female mosquitoes bite you. Yeah. I didn't know that either. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Those little stinkers. Well, I wanted to ask you, and just out of curiosity, your generation is considered the silent generation. Have you ever heard of that terminology? No, not for me, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> have you ever heard of um, the other generation names like Baby Boomer, who would have been um, after you, and Gen X, which is me, and Millennial, and Gen Z, which would be your great-granddaughter, Megan? Have you heard of any of those? No. I've heard the names, yes. I, I don't know what years they belong to, though. I really don't pay attention to that. But no, I've never I was a silent thing, no. So... It, that's interesting because t it seems like these days it's so important to be identified as a generation. And so um, when you were growing up, did you ever think, um, oh, older people don't know what they're talking about? I mean, because you grew up 
I knew it all. Yeah, you <laughs> did. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's an argument that maybe um, when people think that older people don't um, don't understand, it's really just the young people being defiant. Would you agree with that? I think they all need discipline. I really do. Because I guarantee you, when I was a kid, if I didn't say thank you or called you aunt, I got smacked in the mouth. Right. Yeah. Well, I did too. My, my, <laughs> you, know, that is, you had to show respect. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all there was to it. I just wish sometimes that people today could go back to the 50s and grow up in that time. It was so much fun and not a lot of a danger in anywhere you know I had a blast I really did growing up you felt safe and was there such thing as bullying or things like that no no absolutely not everyone just kind of got along the only thing that I remember being afraid of was Russia throwing a bomb on us well yeah didn't you guys practice hiding under your desks for the bomb to to drop that sounds pretty terrifying Jeanette no, not really. We didn't because I guess we had faith in the government <laughs> at that time. Well, John Kennedy, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, so I bet you remember where you were when he was when he was assassinated. Oh my God, it broke my heart. Did it really? It broke my, oh my God, yes. It sure did, and the boy too. Oh man, the boy being his brother. No, his son. When his son was killed in the airplane. Oh, right. Right. That was, I mean, fairly recently. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you so sad about um, John F. Kennedy dying? Oh, because he he had such talent. And he was with the people, for the people. He meant what he said, you know, and he did it. He just absolutely was doing it. His brother, I read a book on his brother that sent a man down in South to stake out the KKK. Oh, it was so good. And it was a true story. He got killed, I said. Yeah, there's a little bit of conspiracy theory out there that is basically that the white supremacy of the South had a lot to do with those two murders. That's the one thing I would love to know before I die. I never will, but I would love to know who killed him. Yeah, it's so interesting because... There's not many times in history where people really rally around one leader and really feel like that's the one. How do you feel about the current political situation? Do you pay much attention? Don't even ask me that question. (laughs) (laughs) So do you believe that climate change is real? Yes, it is. It certainly is. Wow. that's. I'm I'm really happy that you're saying that because there's such a— an ignorance, I guess I'm going to say, I'm probably going to offend some listeners, but that anyone that's, that's older is, is, is like totally out of touch and not into the environment and doesn't believe and loves Trump, doesn't believe in, you know, climate change or global warming, if we dare say that term. Um, so what's kept you connected to, um, the changing of the earth? How do you, how, how do you, how did you know the that? Heat. The heat. So you the can heat. tell. The dryness. And look at all the storms we've got, you know. That's not normal. But then let's put a, take a fighter plane out there and blow one up and see what happens, you know. Yeah, that's a stupid 
Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah let's change it. You know, we'll just send this hurricane back where it come from. <laughs> it's one of them can't see. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this whole coronavirus thing that's happened? I think a lot of it is blown out of proportion. Although I'm not going to expose myself if I don't have to, you know. Uh, I do think that it's there, but I don't think it's as bad as they're reporting. Well, that's interesting. So they're they're reporting that climate change is happening, so you believe that, but not necessarily about the virus. What's the difference? Because it's a politics thing, that's all, you know. You know that he's, God, I wasn't going to do this, <laughs> but he's going to come up with a vaccine in October. It's going to make him get that vote in November. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you take it? Would you take the vaccine that he's not rushing? Yet, no, I would take it eventually, but not yet, no. Right. Because even the CDC is saying they're not going to be ready. His own scientists are saying it's not even going to be ready till the end of March. Yeah, and he told them that he didn't know what he was saying. Yeah. He just misunderstood yeah, how do you how, how do you feel watching your your leader disregard scientists like that? Can you imagine JFK doing that? Never been my leader. I've never claimed him. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> well, Jeanette, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions, and okay. you can, if you don't have an answer, I totally understand. Um, but because this is a Gen X hosted show, some of these questions are about the period of time when I was a kid. And I just wonder if you even remember or had any connection to the 1980s. And so I was going to ask you, were you listening to music in the 1980s? Of course I was. And what were you listening to? Uh, Guns and Roses no. and oh, what was that guy's name? The Oh, he's gravelly voice. What the hell was his name? Oh, I can't think of it now. Wait a minute. You were listening to Guns N' Roses in the 80s. Sure. Oh, my God. My kids all through the house, and I had to listen to it. <laughs> okay, well, did you have a favorite movie in the 80s that you liked? Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think that was the 70s, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? But you know, know, that's such a good movie. It's 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 probably seventy nine or eighty. I don't know, but we'll we'll take it. And then, um, why didn't you go to college? I did. Oh, you did. Okay, I I skipped a whole bunch of years. We went from you living in Gainesville with three kids to being sixty five living in Arizona. So I forgot to ask you about that period. So why did you go? I well, John Kennedy put this program out that was any single mother could go to get a training and get paid for it. And I went to LPN training at 30 years old, and I went for a year, and it was my niche in life, honey. I was a nurse for 42 years, and that's all because of him. And now you now you know why I love him. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't think that was socialism? No, absolutely not. He he was trying to get the, out of welfare. I never was on welfare. I was too proud to do it. But and I'm, that's the truth. I swear it is. But anyway, he was trying to get him out of the welfare system, and by paying him to go to school, it worked for some. It worked. 
I uh, got $80 a week, it was, at that time, it was 1969, and all gas mileage and clothing and books and everything was paid for. Wow. And that went on, I 365 days, you had to go the whole time, and I really caught on to it. I really did. And that's why I loved him because he did give me a training. I didn't have 10 bar no more, you know? Yeah. You, you must've had such a better life after that. Cause you're doing something you love. You were actually helping people and, and really being able to afford your family. That's beautiful. That's how I, I really did enjoy it. I really did. So, um, what about music as a kid? What kind of music did you, did you have a favorite musician or band when you were a kid? Everly Brothers, Elvis Presley, uh, Chubby Checkers. Oh, just all of them. All of them, yeah. So did you watch Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show? Oh, God, yes. The very first time. Yeah. I just watched his um, appearance, um, his first appearance on Ed Sullivan um, on, on a TV channel I like to watch called Decades. It shows all old stuff, and um, I, I really like how they just showed his face because they couldn't show his body because he was doing those crazy, sexy moves. Oh, I know. That was the worst part of it, watching him the first time. I knew what he was doing up there with his swivel hips, but we couldn't see it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then what about as a teen when you were cruising? What was playing in your car? Teen cruising? Yeah. What kind of music? That time we didn't have the radio. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's a bummer, huh? <laughs> but all of them, all of them, you know? Well, Jeanette, if you could offer some words of wisdom to all the generations that you now are kind of queen bee over, right? Because your generation is the oldest generation on, on our planet now. Um, what kind of advice would you give people either to get through the dark times or just in general? Don't let anything get you down because you can work through it. You can. I don't never, ever remember not being able to think I'm better than that, you know? And I, I do think training, absolute school trades, everything. Get an education. Make sure you go that something you like and you'll love your work, you know? I love that advice. But you can do it. You can do it. You just put your mind to it. It's not a old saying. It's the truth. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeanette, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Jeanette. I hope I get to meet you someday in person because... Yeah, me too. Well, this has been so much more fun than I could ever have imagined. I mean, you just shared so much, and I really, I hope you understand how important it is to to have people hear your voice. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army one.